0: Don't you hold your Bible, lift it up real high, and shout, This is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter, a doer, not just a hearer. Today, Vandach, I will learn from God's word, and my life will never be the same because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by. The Word of God. We're still talking about uh, hearing the voice of God. Amen? And uh, we discovered, you know, building up to today, that God wants to speak to us. We also discovered that God is always speaking. Uh, We discovered that you don't have to pray for God to speak. Amen? God is always speaking. You don't have to fast to try and convince Him uh, to speak to you. God is always speaking. In other words, uh, through His grace, God is always broadcasting is always giving. In fact, the very definition of the word heaven is a pushing out or a giving. So heaven is always uh, broadcasting. It's always transmitting. But what we need to do is to fine tune uh, the frequency of our heart or the frequency module of our heart to the channel uh, which God is broadcasting from so we can hear him clearly. Amen. And so today we're continuing in the same breath and we're going to be talking about How you can maintain your heart to hear clearly what God is saying to you. God wants to speak to you about your business. God wants to speak to you about your ministry. God wants to speak to you about your marriage. God wants to speak to you about your life. How many of you believe that? It says in Jeremiah 10 verse 23, It is not in man that walk to determine his own steps. It says in uh, Psalm 37, verse 23, the steps of a good man are to be ordered of the Lord. So God wants to help you on this journey. Mm. Amen? And as he helps you, as you pay attention to what he's saying, he will be able to uh, uh, help you even better. Let's go to 1 Kings chapter number 19. We're going to read from verse 11 to 13. 1 Kings chapter number 19, verse... uh 11 to 13. And he said, The angel speaking to Elijah, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and brake in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. Someone say, The Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. Say, the Lord was not in the earthquake. <laughs> Verse 12, and after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after that fire, a small, a still, small voice. And apparently, the Lord was in the still, small voice. He was not in the earthquake. He was not in the strong wind that tore up the rocks. You know, sometimes we speed, uh, read through this. And we don't really pay attention and let it paint pictures in our imagination, in our mind. I mean, this is a pretty dramatic event. Can you imagine? This wind was so strong, it was tearing up rocks. I mean, this earthquake was so strong, it was shaking up things. Surely the Lord should be in one of those, right? And there was a great fire that came. And the Bible declares that the Lord was not in any of those things. The Lord was in a, small, a still small voice. And then when you fast forward to the New Testament, God spoke to people, you know, through Jesus, but he also spoke through... Uh, 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 dramatic uh, 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 ways, you know, when Jesus was getting baptized, there was a voice, a booming voice that came from heaven, this is my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased, but with all of that, you and I belong to a new covenant, where God himself lives on the inside of us, and his primary way of speaking to us is going to be the still, small voice, and the reason he does that is because, number one, God is pleased by faith. God loves it when you hear him by faith and not just by your senses. Remember, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7 says we walk by faith and not by sight. Sight, sight is not saying we don't walk by using our you know, optics to see. He's not saying that. Sight is saying we do not live our lives based on the five senses. What you see, what you taste, what you smell, what you hear with these uh, lugs here. Uh, what you can touch. He's saying, no, we we don't walk based on that. We walk by faith. So the reason why God wants to use a still, small voice is because he wants to activate you to start hearing him by faith and not just with outside external things. Amen? Amen? And the second reason is it's strategic. It's just strategic for God to speak to you internally uh, rather than externally. Can you imagine sitting in a boardroom meeting and uh, you're trying to get a word from the Lord for this deal that is set before you, and what you're expecting is an earthquake, <laughs> a fire, and a strong wind. I mean, the strong wind is going to blow all the contracts out of the boardroom, and you may not have a contract to sign after all. Amen? So what God does is he speaks directly to through you, to you, through the channel of your heart. Amen? Amen? And you need to move your heart to a place where it's ready to receive the frequency of God. Let's go to Proverbs chapter number 4. We're going to read from verse 23. Thank you, Jesus. Proverbs chapter number 4, verse 23. So you can hear God's voice. Uh, Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. You remember? If you are God's sheep, if you are Jesus' sheep, if you are the sheep of his pasture, you can hear his voice. Uh, you don't have to uh, uh, work extra hard to try and get yourself to hear his voice. You can, but it's going to come through the channel of your heart. Proverbs chapter number 4, verse 23 says these words. It says, Keep your heart with all diligence, because out of it are the issues of life. Now, I want to read the same verse in the New Living Translation. It's going to interest you the way he puts it in the NLT here. He says in the NLT, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Saints, I want to submit to you this morning that everything that God is going to do in your life is going to have to flow through the channel of your heart. Amen? He's saying here the course of your life is directly determined by the government. He said here that the course of your life is going to be directly determined by your qualifications. You know, you don't have a DBA and a BBA, therefore you, you have no chance. He didn't say any of that. He did, did he say that the course of your life is going to be determined by the color of your skin? No, he didn't say that. Did he say it's going to be determined by your income level? No, he didn't say that. Your nationality? No, he didn't say that. He said the course of your life is going to be determined directly by your heart. There's a corresponding scripture that goes with this in Proverbs 23 verse 7, which says, as a man thinks in his heart, so easy. Mm. Now, when God wants to get stuff to flow into your life, He's going to have to do it through the channel of your heart. Mm. And here we have an instruction. We have an encouragement, an exhortation. He tells us to guard our hearts above everything else, above guarding your income, above guarding your job, above guarding everything else. He says the the thing you should be guarding, the thing you should be spending time guarding is your heart, because Your life is directly determined, the course of your life. Can you imagine? The the direction in which your life is going to go is determined in the CPU of your life, which is your heart. Man, that's powerful. That's awesome. It gives me great joy to know that it's not determined by anyone else. It gives me great joy to know that it's not determined by the haters. (laughs) Amen? Amen? It gives me great joy that is determined by me. What that does is it makes me the CEO of my life. If I can guard my heart, I can choose the course of life that I want my life to take through what I put in my heart. Now watch how he starts this uh, verse. Let's go to verse 20. I want you to see something here. This is how you're going to guard your heart. Verse 20. He says, My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear to my sayings. One of the ways you uh, guard your heart is by inclining your ears to his sayings and not inclining your ears to other sayings. What I'm trying to say is your ears are the gateway into your heart. So what you hear is going directly to your heart. And once you receive it in your heart, I'm talking about the inner man. You see, the Bible talks about, and we know all things. We have an unction from the Father, and we know all things. The unction is in your heart. Some of you have ever, you know, you've done this before. I know most likely, most, almost everyone in here has ever felt this way uh, before. You know, the phone rings. You haven't even looked to see who's calling, but you know exactly who's on the phone. <laughs> there was something on the inside. It's called the unction. It's called the inner man. And the Bible t- says that that dude knows everything. It's your heart. Amen? Before you even pick up, you're like, okay, I know, I know exactly who is that. And sometimes you know, man, that's a good news, that's a good news ring right there. And then as you pick it up, you expect good news. But here's the deal you have to guard your ears from what you hear. You have to be selective about what you let in through your ear gates, into your heart. You can either let the news or the good news. Whichever one you let is going to start determining the course of your life. And God wants us to let the good news determine the course of our lives. Amen? Watch what he says in uh, verse 21. Proverbs 4, 21. He says, do not lose sight of them. Again, another uh, uh, gateway to your heart is what you see. You need to start seeing beyond the natural things that are going on around you and start seeing in the spiritual realm. The Bible says we do not look at the things that we can see with these physical eyes because the things that we can see with these physical eyes are temporary. We look at the things that are unseen. Why? Because they are eternal. You're going to have to start training the eyes of your heart to see beyond your circumstances. Man, that's good. You remember Elisha? Surrounded by the Syrian armies, we sing a song around that. You know, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Surrounded by the Syrian armies, you could see the Syrian armies, uh, 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 Elisha's servant, and, you know, went back into Elisha's tent and said, "Alas, my master, we're surrounded. Today we're going to die. How did he come to that conclusion that today they were going to die? He came to that conclusion based on what he was looking at. You see, what you see will give you a conclusion. I'm talking about the eyes of your heart, right? Elisha was seeing something else different, and he says, no, we're not going to die. Mm-hmm. In fact, he prayed for him, and he said, Lord, I pray that you may open his eyes to see. Mm. Wait a minute, I thought this guy was seeing already. Yes. No, he was seeing the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. And then he prayed for him to see, and after his eyes were opened, he began to see that there were angels. There was help coming to fight for, on their behalf and to fight for them. And that help... You know, eventually fought for them and they won the victory. What did he do? He trained his heart to see beyond what's going on around. Man, you're gonna have to start training your heart to see beyond your bank account. I thought I was gonna get a bank a better amen. I thought I was gonna see because if you see I'm telling you, if you if you if you fix your eyes on the numbers, I remember we went to uh to, to New York, uh, Marshall, and then, you know, we went to New York last year, and then as we got to New York, it was a group of us uh, uh, from this church, I think about 15 of us went to New York, as we got to New York, the first thing they did was go to, like, a cheesecake factory or something, and then they, you know, ate some food, and it was $20 in America, it's just 20 bucks. and then when the SMS hit back from back home... <laughs> When the SMS was sent from back home, I mean, the menu said 20 bucks, but when the SMS came from back home, it said about 300 rand on one meal. And I'm walking up, I'm expecting these people to be excited about being in New York. They've just had a good meal. I'm expecting them to be happy about, you know, we just had some food, Pastor. But everyone is depressed. I'm, what's up, guys? Why are you depressed? I said, man, that meal was 300 rand. <laughs> Do you know what I can get for 300 rand back home? Man, they were using their eyes to see the numbers. If you use your eyes to see the numbers, you are going to be discouraged. If you let the eyes of your heart see the prognosis, that what the doctor is saying, you're going to be discouraged. So your eyes have a choice to either go with God's word or to go with the circumstances. And here we're encouraged to not let let our eyes look at anything else. We must not let the word of God, we must not let our eyes lose sight of these words. In other words, we must take these words and let these words paint on the canvas of our hearts. The paintbrush, you know when you go painting? The paintbrush for your heart should never be the news. It should never be bad news. It should never be the statistics. The paintbrush should always be the Bible. It should always be the word of God. That's what he's saying here. Take the word of God and start using that to paint on your heart. And you're going to be filled with hope. Can I get an amen? Amen. He says, let them penetrate deep into your heart. He says, man, he wants these words to penetrate deep into your heart. Now watch what he says in verse 22. For they bring what? Life. And these words bring life to those who find them. And healing to their whole body. So what's going to bring life and healing to your entire body, to your life, to your finances, to your marriage, to your workplace, to your business, and so on and so forth, uh, whatever you're faced with, what's going to bring life to it is uh, the Word of God that you hear, and you must allow it to penetrate and go deep into your heart. Amen? I said amen. amen. So our hearts play a, a, a critical role. This is the, uh, the gateway uh, everything that we're reading here, the gates, uh, gateways into our hearts. Uh, you know, a few weeks ago, we talked about uh, sin. How does uh, sin affect us when it comes to hearing uh, uh, the voice of God? Sin does not stop God from speaking. What sin does, we read uh, a few weeks ago, what sin does is it puts calluses on your heart. It says their hearts were waxed gross. He's talking about, you know, making candles. And this is how they would make candle in the olden days. They would get a string, dip it into hot wax. As they lift it up, it would form layers upon layers on the, wax, on the, on the, on the, on the string. And that's what he's saying when you live a, a sinful life. It does not stop God from broadcasting. There is no sin great enough to stop God from loving you. There is no sin great enough to stop God giving you the words and the directions that you need for your life. All it does is it, makes, it puts calluses on your heart, uh, 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 dead cells on your heart. It makes you less sensitive to the instructions of God. Amen? Amen? And then we talked about fasting as well. We said fasting does not move God because God has already moved by grace. Fasting moves you. Fasting removes the calluses on your heart, it removes the insensitivities of your heart so that you can be sensitive to what's going on in the spiritual realm. This is why the disciples never fasted when Jesus was around. And you remember John the Baptist's disciples complained about it. They went to Jesus and they said, How come your disciples never fasted? We are fasting all the I mean they were complaining. I don't know why they are complaining. <laughs> say, how come your disciples are always eating braai? They're always at every every week. They're always at Nando's. They're always eating, but we are always fasting. Do you know what Jesus said to them? He said, they don't need to fast as long as I'm around. you know why? Because they can ask me physically and I'll tell them. But when Jesus left throughout the whole book of Acts, man, you see them fasting all the time. Why? Because Jesus is gone. Now they have to hear by faith. And they have to make sure that their hearts are sensitive to hear the voice of the Spirit, watch this, by faith. That was the difference? I mean, when Jesus is around physically, you don't need to fast. You can just ask him, Jesus, what do I need to say in this meeting? And Jesus will give it to you and you say it. But if you are in our dispensation of grace where the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you and is constantly talking to you, you need to place your heart in a place where you are just spiritually giving. That's what giving is about. Giving was never about money. Giving is about moving your heart to a place where you're listening more to the voice of God and not to the voice of mammon. And by the voice of mammon, we're not talking about the voice of lots of money. We're just talking about the voice of money. Some some people who pay attention to mammon, they have nothing going on. They listen to mammon all the time. So how does God purge our hearts? How does God get our heart to be in a place where we are directly hearing from him? He says, take your treasure and give it to me. Remember Matthew chapter number 6, 21. He says, where your, tra- where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So he knows your heart is over here in Maslatini. But he wants your heart over here in the kingdom of God. He knows your heart is over here, worried and concerned about the things that are going on in the world. And he wants your heart over here in the kingdom of God where you can begin to receive of his flow. So how does he get your heart to move from over here to over there? He says, take treasure and move it over there and your heart will follow your treasure. And people get tripped up by giving because they think it's about money. They don't realize it's about the heart. God is trying to get your heart in the right place, and once your heart is in the right place, guess what happens? You begin to receive of the kingdom of God. Amen? Let's go to Mark chapter number 4. We're going to read from verse 16. Mark chapter number 4. We're going to read from verse 16 to 17. I remember in 2006, I think 2005, I went to meet with one of my pastors at the time. He was doing amazing things in the world. He was preaching the gospel all over uh, North America, Europe, and Asia. I think at the time, uh, he had preached the gospel uh, in almost every continent in the world. He was traveling the world and doing amazing things. So I went to see him. A bunch of us young people went to see him. We had our questions written down, and we were going to ask him. And my question in particular was, Pastor, how do you get to have an impact with the gospel and change people's lives the way you are doing? And this is what he said to me. And it stuck with me from that day till today. He said to Pharaoh, all you have to do is keep your heart pure. At the time, I was disappointed when he said that. I was disappointed because I was expecting six steps to an international ministry. No, he says, just keep your heart pure. Just keep your heart in a place where God can use you. Watch this. Not for you, but for the kingdom. Just keep your heart in a place where God can use you to minister, not for yourself, not for self-promotion, not for self-gain, but for his kingdom. He says, if you can do that, God will promote you. I said, come on, man, there has to be something better. There has to be more. And he said to me, that's it. All you have have to do is to keep your heart pure. And I'm telling you, child of God, if you want to hear from God, all you have to do is to keep your heart in a place where you can receive the frequency. Amen? Amen. Let's go to Mark, chapter number 4, verse 16. He's talking about the different kinds of hearts. You remember the story? The first one was the wayward or the wayside where he says, you know, the birds of the air came and stole the seed. You remember? Remember? And this is the second one. The third one was the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts of other things entering in, choked the word. And the fourth one was the good ground that produced thirty, sixty, a 100 fold. Now this is one of the grounds which represents the heart. And in verse 16 it says, These are likewise who are sown in stony ground, who when they heard the word, immediately received it with gladness. Verse 17. But they have no root in themselves, So, endure but for a time. Someone say, but for a time. But for a time. They only endure for a short period of time. Afterward, someone say afterward. Afterward. (laughs) When. Someone say when. When. (laughs) The reason I'm saying someone say is because your neighbor is sleeping, so I'm trying to get you to wake them (laughs) up. That's the the only reason why I get you to say something back to me. Because they wake up when you say something. But anyway, he says when. Notice he didn't say if. He said when. When means this is going to happen. Amen. He says when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. Did you read that? He says immediately they are offended. One of the ways, uh, one of the things that the enemy has used against the church to stop them from hearing God's voice is offense. We talked about it uh, last week. We said uh, the word offense uh, in the Greek is uh, the word scandalon, which literally means the bait of Satan. You know, when you get offended at someone uh, or when someone offends you and you take, you take offense, that's, that's the terminology we use. We, you take Offense is offered, but you have to take it. You know, don't take offense. You know, don't leave it. Leave it on the shelf. Don't take offense. Don't buy it. It's not worth it. Uh, uh, here... They were offended, but in this particular verse, it's interesting, because it's not talking about offended at people. You know, two weeks ago, we were talking about when people offend you and you have to forgive them so you can be in the flow, where you can di- receive directly from God. But this person here in Mark chapter number four is offended at God, because when they received the word with gladness, they didn't receive it as Tafara's word. I mean, this is a person who was sincere. They received it as this is what the Bible says. This is what God is saying to me. So they received it with a, with a sincere heart, and they were ready to obey. But, you know, like Dillian said, uh, they didn't know the definition of uh, faith and patience, Hebrews 6.12. He says we should imitate those uh, who by faith and patience inherit the promises of God. They didn't know that it's a, it's a, it's a long-term thing. Remember what he says in uh, Genesis chapter number 8, verse 22? He says, as long as the earth remains, seed, time, and harvest. That's how we read it, but it was written this way. As long as the earth remains, seed, time, i and harvest. <laughs> we like to speed up the time. That's where offense happens, when you try to get God into your own timetable. Yeah, yeah. The time, let's, come on, let's shorten that <laughs> syllable. Let's, come on. God, let's, uh, let's do it in one week. Yeah. That's what Delian was saying, right? Yeah. You plant it today, you want to see it tomorrow. In fact, most people get offended at God because it didn't happen in the time that they specified. Yeah. Not the time that God specifies. And the reason God specifies a certain time for us is exactly what Delian was teaching, faithfulness. When you are ready, God will bring it to you. Amen? So they were offended at God. And offense produce a fruitless life. When you get offended at God, uh, you choke the word from producing fruit. You know, when you get angry at God, you get mad at God. You know, pastor. In fact, this is how offense at God always sounds. Pastor, I've done everything I know to do. I'm still not getting healed. That's how it starts. I've tithed. Pastor, I've tithed for about two months now. Where's my breakthrough? pastor I've been I've been serving I've been doing everything that you said to do I mean you need to read and find out how long it took some of the guys in scripture to even start for God to graduate them to even start doing stuff I mean the apostle Paul the 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 road to Damascus and him preaching his first sermon took close to 14 years Oh, Joseph, from the time he dreamed the dream and to the time that he became second in charge in Egypt, it took over 25 years. May you try and tell someone that in the microwave generation, they'll think you're a false prophet. (laughs) I'm telling you, things take time. Can I get an amen? So they were offended because it didn't happen in their timetable. And offense stopped the word from producing. It was not the seed that stopped itself. Listen, offense robs or neutralizes the seed of its potency. When you're quickly offended, when you're ready. In fact, there are some people who live their lives ready to be offended. They are offense ready. Amen? Amen? I've learned that. You know, being a pastor, I've learned that there is no way. You know, in the beginning when I was younger, in the Lord 2006, starting out to preach, I would always try and tiptoe and preach a sermon that would not offend anybody. I found out that people were offense ready. I found out that people were going to get offended anyway. If you preach about grace, they were going to get offended that you don't preach sin enough. If you preach about sexual purity, they're going to get offended that you even bring it up. If you preach about finances, they're going to be offended that you bring in this American gospel. If you preach about healing, they're going to be offended because they have an aunt that they know who did not get healed and died. So they're going to get, you better not bring it up. So I found out that people will get offended anyway. So just preach what the Holy Ghost puts in your heart. When people are ready to be offended, not just in church, even at work. I mean, you joined the company today, right? You joined the company today. This has happened to me. You sign the contract, you joined the company today. The first person you, uh, they introduce you to, to take you around the company to show you uh, what's going on in the, is offended. They're offended at the boss. They're offended at their work colleagues. They're already complaining. Ah, it's my first day at work. <laughs> they're already trashing the company. You know, this company here. They're offended at the boss's new car. They're, they're offended. What does the new car have to do with you? they just offended. People, offe- they're offense-ready. And because of that, it's stifling the fruit, the potency that is in the word. Mm. I'm talking about this spirit of offense, scandalon. You know, the, the, the mousetrap. What is it in Zulu? Uh, 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 you not gave not me that. Not clack. <laughs> you know the mousetrap? Skirimban. <laughs> you know the mousetrap? What you do is you put a little uh, peanut on it. And then you get the spring to do to to to, and you, you you know you fix it ready for the mouse. And when the mouse comes to eat the peanut, what happened? Hey. And then it literally suffocates yeah. the mouse. Man, I used to kill them by the hundreds. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I used to kill them, by and just got in the bin. <laughs> and we go and do it again. That's what offense is when the enemy is offering you an opportunity to be offended. It's a mouse trap, so that you can literally suffocate the life of God in you. Some of you are offended by your, uh, because you have such a big ego. Some of you are offended by your relatives. You know, you have an ego as big as a, a Mount. Uh, okay, okay, moving right along. <laughs> but you're offended by your aunt. You're easily offended. You're offended, and some of you are justified. In fact, your entire family know you as the person who quickly gets offended. And they give, put a tag on you. And they say, this one can't be treated like that because they, they trip quickly. <laughs> and you think it's a good thing. No, it's not. The enemy is having a party. Because all you're doing is biting. And then he sucks the life out of you, out of your destiny, out of the word that you receive. Man, you need to be long-suffering. The Bible calls it patience having a godly good attitude in the midst of trying circumstances when people give you uh, hit you on the left what what you should do, what should you do jesus said you offer the right don't get offended or don't take offense especially at god because it's going to suck the life out of it okay in closing 2 minutes only 2 minutes let's go to second kings chapter number 5 from verse 1 to 4 I'm going to read Psalm 119, verse 165. It says, Great peace, if they which love the law, nothing shall offend them. Great peace, if they which love the law, great shalom, great prosperity, great healing, are they which love the word of God, nothing shall offend them. They live their lives free of offense. Amen? 2 Kings, chapter number 5, from verse 1 to 4. Man, I'm hot here. Switch on the icon? I'm burning. Is it just me? Yeah. 2 Kings chapter number 5, from verse 1 to 14. Let me read it in the message Bible because we are running out of time. Naaman, or Naaman, was general of the army under the king of Aram. He was important to his master. Say that after me. He was an important man. <laughs> This is where it starts. (laughs) This is where it starts. Amen? (laughs) Who held him? You see, there's nothing wrong about being important and having a a position of authority, but don't let that get to your head. Amen? I said amen. Amen. Who held him in highest esteem because it it was by him that God had given victory to Aram, a truly great man, but afflicted with a grievous skin disease. He had leprosy. Uh, It so happened that Aram, on one of his raiding expeditions against Israel, captured a a young girl who became a maid to Naaman's wife. One day she said to her mistress, Oh, if only my master could meet the prophet of uh, Samaria, he would be healed of his skin disease. Prophet had a reputation. Amen? Amen. Just like all of us in here should have a reputation. Laying hands on the sick and they recover. Uh, Next verse. Naaman went straight to his master and reported what the girl from Israel had said. Well, then go, said the king of Aram, and I'll send a letter of introduction to the king of Israel. So he went off taking with him about 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, and 10 sets of clothes. Verse 6. Naaman delivered the letter to the king of Israel. The letter read, When you get this letter, you will know that I've personally sent my servant Naaman to you. Heal him of his skin disease. Now watch what happened. It gets really funny. I could make a movie out of this. When the king of Israel read the letter, he was terribly upset, ripping his robe to pieces. He said, am I a god with the power to bring death or life that I get orders to heal this man from this disease? What's going on here? That king is trying to pick a fight. That's what's going on (laughs) Elisha, the man of God, heard what had happened. That the king of Israel was so distressed and that he had ripped his robe to shreds and he sent word to the king, why are you so upset ripping your robe like this? Send him to me. Someone say send him to me. (laughs) This is what being a Christian is all about. When there's a problem in the world, send them to us. We don't send people to the world, we... Ask the world to send them to us because we are the ones with the solutions. Amen? amen. When they get sick, we lay hands on them and they will recover. Amen. When they are in distress, we preach the gospel, also known as the glad tidings, and it will bring freedom and liberty to their souls. They come to us for solutions. We don't send them away. And I get an amen? amen. Go back. I didn't finish reading that. He sent the word to the king. Uh, send him to me. So you will learn that there is a prophet in Israel. Next verse. So Naaman went with his horses, chariots, arrived in style, and stopped at Elisha's door. And did his sick, but he's still arriving in style. Chill out, bro. <laughs> Elisha sent out a servant to meet him with his message. Go to, I mean, Elisha didn't even come out. Elijah? Didn't, Elisha didn't even come out to meet him. He just gave him, I like to call this a grace instruction. He gave him the good news. He gave him the word of God. Amen. How many of you realize that as we go to the world, the only thing we have is the gospel? Amen. That's right. Amen. The only thing we have is the good news. The world wants us to bring physics. They want us to bring motivation. You know, motivational speaking? They want us to do all the extra stuff, but the only thing we've been commissioned to take to the world is the gospel. Amen? 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 It's Christ being crucified. That's the only thing we bring to the world. Amen. And we don't have to try and be fancy about it. Just bring the simple message of the gospel. And it will heal the nations. Can I get an amen? Yes. So here, here was the simple message. Go to the river Jordan and immerse yourself seven times. Your skin will be healed and you will be as good as new. Man, what a pleasant promise. What's an what an awesome promise. This should have been good news to his ears. Now watch what, ha- what happened to the important man. Naaman lost his temper. Full stop. <laughs> I mean, dude was offended. He was offended about healing. Because this is a sermon about healing, right? Yeah. The man is sick, right? Yeah. And he got offended about a sermon on healing that could have brought healing to his body. The man could have been broke, and the sermon was about finances. <laughs> and he got offended. I'm oh, the dude he's trying to help you. Amen? amen? The person could have had a, a, a challenge in their marriage, and they got offended that the pastor even brought it up in his sermon. <laughs> but they should have been glad. Amen? amen. I said amen. amen. Naaman lost his temper. He turned on his heel saying, I thought you'd personally come out and, what does I have to do with anything? <laughs> you see, he's prescribing the way he wanted to receive it. Yeah. And that's why people always get offended at God, because they want to prescribe a way that they want to receive it. God is saying, this is the way you receive it. It's for free. In fact, grace, a lot of people actually get offended at grace when we tell them, you don't have to do anything to go to heaven. Jesus has already done it. All you have to do is to believe in Jesus, and they think we're trying to, you know, trick them out of heaven. (laughs) They do. They think, man, you can't be serious. I, I must at least contribute something. I must at least fast live right. I must do something and add to the cross. No, oh, he's saying, you know, just go and watch seven times and you're going to be made well. And watch what he said. He said, uh, I thought he'd personally come out and meet me, call on the name of God, wave his hand over me. <laughs> Maybe blow on me. <laughs> Touch Wave his hand over me, over the diseased spot, and get rid of the disease. The Damascus rivers, Abana and Papa, are cleaner by far than any of the rivers in Israel. Why not bath in them? I would at least get clean. He stomped off, mad as a hornet. My dude was angry. He was offended, right? Now, question what could have happened to him if he stayed offended? Nothing. Question, was the healing available? Yes. And how come you wouldn't get healed? Because offense stops you from accessing what God has already freely given to you. Offense does not stop God. Cannot stop God. But it stops you. You get that? Man, that's powerful. But his servants caught up with him and said, Father, if the prophet had asked you to do something hard and heroic, wouldn't you have done it? <laughs> so why not this simple wash and be clean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's so he did it. He went down, he himself. In Jordan, Seven times following the orders of the holy man. His skin was healed. It was like the skin of a little baby. And he was as good as new. And I have to quit because I'm out of time. Why don't you stand on your feet? Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you. Lord, we give you all of the praise and all of the glory. Father, right now we bring before you every single heart that's in this place. The inner man. The core of their being. Lord, we surrender them before you this morning. If there is any spirit of offense that had taken root, Father, we just uproot it right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, we uproot any spirit of bitterness, bitterness at God, bitterness at others. We uproot any spirit of unforgiveness. Father, we thank you that these before you this morning today are your children who value the principles of your word, who value the gospel, who value hearing from you, and who guard their hearts with all diligence because out of it come the issues of life. Father, we just thank you that these, your children, are blessed with good hearts. New Testament, new covenant hearts, made of flesh, with the word, the new covenant inscribed on them, love inscribed on them, Joy inscribed on them. The gospel inscribed on them. Lord, we thank you that they do not hold on to hurts. They do not hold on to unforgiveness. They do not hold on to heartbreaks. Lord, we thank you that they will not allow any man, any disappointment to stop them from accessing the promises that Jesus has already freely given to us. Those that went through heartbreaks, we pray right now in the name of Jesus for a supernatural power of the Holy Spirit to heal their hearts completely. Those that encountered heartbreaks in relationships, Father, we just thank you that you are wiping that all away. And Father, that they are ready for a fresh new start. As if that never happened. We bind the spirit of the enemy to bring back remembrance of hurts. To bring back remembrance of words that were spoken over them. We cancel every word. We cancel every remembrance of every negative word that was spoken over them. That created a a, a root of bitterness. We cancel it right now in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we thank you that today marks a new beginning. Today is a brand new start. Today marks a new heart. Ready to receive the glad tidings and the good news and the good report of the Lord. Father, we thank you for it and we give you all of the praise and all of the glory. It is in Jesus' name that we pray and someone said, "Amen." Amen. Man, I'm telling you, you have to let go. Amen? Amen? You can't keep going back. They have an old saying that says you can't cry over spilled milk. What's done is done. But here's what you know. What you know is if you let go and maintain a pure heart, guard your heart with all diligence, you'll begin to steer the vehicle of your life in a different direction. It's not too late. Some of you were going in the direction of the cliff, going over the cliff. Uh, but it's not too late. As you forgive, let go, as you begin to come to a place where you say, Holy Spirit, heal my heart at the core. Heal my heart so that I may be a man, a woman, that can live and walk free of any hurt, live and walk free of any bitterness. Some of you have terrible, terrible things that were spoken to you, to your face. Some of you have terrible, terrible things that was done to you, to your face. But here's the deal. The power of the Holy Spirit is greater than all of that. Take your heart and submit it to him. And know that all things are possible. Amen. Amen. Today is a fresh start. Man, I feel the need to say this. Some of you have written these things in your diary. This hurts. And every now and again you go back and rehearse on them. Man, there's no need for you to read that, that garbage. You need to go burn that. And whenever you feel like you need to read something, read something good from the word of God. That says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. That says God honors and values you. That says you are his workmanship, created for good works. That says you are his most prized possession. Read something edifying and don't go back to the past. Some of you are going to be tempted this week to go and share with someone else the things that were done to you. Man, that life is buried. It's gone. It's in the past. Don't re that. re how bright your future is. Some of you may have to buy glasses because God is bringing you to a bright future. Amen? We love you. God bless you. And remember these words from 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today.